Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Have you always felt a little odd, a little different? The world is crying out for witches to heal and to rebuild. But do you hear its call and will you answer? This is a space for free thinking, where I give you tools to explore and build your craft. We all have a divine spark. Join me each week and grow that spark into a fiery beacon. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft, and I'll be bringing you a one-on-one guide to all things witchcraft and spirituality. This is The Major's Well. Hey Majors, welcome back to the show. This week, we're looking into the origins of black magic as a term. I had heard that it's problematic and it shouldn't be used, but after doing some research for another episode, I got looking into black magic, and it's pretty horrific, and I think more awareness is needed around it as a term. I think, as a community, it's time we started to actively step away from it. Black and white magic, as terms, are steeped in racial bias and cultural undertones. So, a trigger warning for today's episode, I will be speaking about race inequality and the slave trade as well. Let's talk about colours. Now, early modern scientists combined ideas of skin colour and the physics of colours. The two main men who did this was Isaac Newton and a guy called Robert Boyle, who was more instrumental and took it a step further, because he combined it with British imperialism, which is the idea of extending a country's power through colonialism, and he also combined it with religious thinking, primarily Protestantism. He mixed all these strains with science and created a deadly and dehumanizing combination 
of pseudo-scientific ideas and theories. He did all of this around the 1660s, just when England was getting involved in the slave trade and setting up colonies and enslaving peoples from all over the world. He sought to gather information on colour, and then to add to this how the world was understood and how it operated, or should, in inverted commas, operate, creating a new way of thinking. Now, Boyle heavily influenced Newton, who was famous for directing sunlight through a prism, creating a rainbow, which others had done, but Newton put the rainbow back through the prism, and created light. Ergo, light is the source of all colour. What colour did they assign light? They chose white, as it was, quote, the chiefest colour. Now, interestingly, Newton was involved in alchemy, and assigned the colours of the rainbow to the planets. He needed a seventh colour though. However, rather than choosing black, which was traditionally connected to Saturn, he made it indigo and placed it in his rainbow diagrams. Now, around this time, Boyle gets involved with the East India Company. Founded in 1600, it played a huge role in transporting spices and luxury goods, as well as enslaved peoples. Still in operation today, I might add, and the slavery stuff has a tiny mention on the company website, hidden away on the website's navigation menu. Nothing suspicious, and not surprising really. So, Boyle gets involved with the East India Company via King Charles II, appointing him as one of the directors. Now, Boyle uses his position to gather evidence, shall we say, in inverted commas, he gathers this from around the empire on skin colour, and concludes that the standard human being is white, and everyone who wasn't was, quote, discoloured. Obviously, hideous thinking. Now, Boyle makes a lot of money from the East India Company, but there's biographers who argue his motives also had religious grounds, and he was basically on a conversion mission, and he wanted to convert the world to Protestantism. Naboyle combines science and religion, and he starts to explore whiteness from a Christian point of view. He's established in his mind that the standard human is white, and if everyone came from Adam, who, by standard and without question, was white, why were there other skin colours? He finds a story where Noah gets drunk and passes out naked in his tent. One of his sons, called Ham, finds him and runs to tell his brothers that, lol, dad's naked and is a lightweight. The brothers run into the tent backwards and cover daddy Noah's shame with a blanket. Now when Noah wakes, these brothers essentially snitch on Ham, and Noah curses Ham and his future children, in that they will serve Ham's honest brothers. Now Genesis it doesn't list the children as people, but rather as countries, and that of Egypt, Ethiopia, Libya, and Canaan. They have to serve these honest brothers. Now, who or what are the honest brothers? Ten points if you can guess correctly. They are white people. Boyle believed that black people had been cursed by Noah to serve white people, and while they fulfilled this role, what an amazing opportunity to convert them to Christianity. This, in his eyes, made the slave trade an honourable endeavour, 
Now, the curse of Ham's story was used to rally the southern states in America, leading to the Civil War, which was basically over the South fighting the North over the right to own slaves. It was used after the war to condone segregation, whereby it was believed that black and white people couldn't coexist and had to be separated as much as possible. The Ham story was also used to oppose the Civil Rights Act of 1964 that outlaws discrimination based on race, colour, religion, sex, national origin, and later sexual orientation and gender identity. And the Ham story is still being used today by alt-right and white supremacy movements. But back to Toxic Little Boyle, though. He comes into contact with a man called John Locke, who wrote a groundbreaking treaty on how the government must protect its people, property and liberty. And even more groundbreaking, if the government doesn't do this, then the people have the grounds to revolt and overthrow the government. This is used to explain the French and American revolutions, and really brought into being America's ideas of democracy and freedom. He kickstarts the Enlightenment, where individuals, rationality, and scientific thought are valued, and religious dogma and monarchy begin to take a backseat. This sounds delightful. However, he uses his ideas to justify the enslavement of people and helped build institutions that set up colonies throughout America. Now, our, inverted commas, enlightened Locke comes into contact with our racist scientist Boyle, and this solidifies his views around white elitism. Together with wingman Isaac Newton, they rock the scientific world and kick off a revolution within it. They argued that because of their whiteness, they had built a great civilization, and therefore the world was there for the taking, including those who weren't white as they were seen as resources. This toxic trio essentially founded a power structure that not only advocated but ardently believed that it was the God-given right to subjugate black people under European power. Boyle and Newton created and gave scientific weight, in inverted commas, to the idea of the colour white as a superior pure colour that all other colours originated from. They essentially created a hierarchy. White light became a standard phrase when looking at the colours light produced. Now, ancient thoughts and hermeticism, which is a philosophical system that contains elements of alchemy, astrology and theosophy. Both of these, Isaac would have been familiar with. They saw the sun and its colour as golden, all its correspondences related to the colour gold. Newton started replacing gold with white, and white began to permeate the esoteric dictionary. This white that was attributed to European men was now on the same level as the life-giving sun. Ideas around white and light and goodness started forming. But what about the opposite to white? What thoughts were forming around black? Well, this idea of blackness equating to evil had long been forming. The first reference to black magic, or rather, quote, the black arts, is in Christopher Marlowe's play, Dr. Faustus, in 1590. Now, European interference with Africa had started in the early 1500s, with Portugal being the first power to ship enslaved peoples over to Brazil in 1526. Boyle, Newton, and Locke's ideas further solidified the idea of white equals light equals good, and therefore, and oppositionally, 
black equals darkness equals evil. These terms, and the now largely unknown or ignored connotations, are still in circulation within spiritual language and the spiritual community today. Now before all of this, and generally speaking, red was the colour that was associated with evil. Prevalent in ancient Egypt, it was the colour of Set, the god of chaos, and red candles were particularly dangerous at drawing in evil spirits. As more and more Western powers got involved with slavery and the colonisation of Africa, we start to see the word black signifying evil and evil magic. Interestingly, the devil also undergoes somewhat of a makeover around this time. Traditionally an adversary to the church, around the 1600s he evolves into an active enemy, one that's aggressive and hellbent, if you'll pardon the pun, on corrupting humanity. It's thought that he underwent this transformation in order to justify the horrific treatment and enslavement of non-white, unchristian peoples who were accused of devil-worshipping, and therefore their enslavement by European powers was necessary as it was part of their salvation. African spirituality was exported to America with the slave trade. Protection charms, indigenous healing and herbal knowledge, spirit communication, these customs were intact and survived and actually gained the names of hoodoo, voodoo, root work and conjure, to name a few. Now, laws prohibited their use and saw them as dangerous and evil as they were often a magical form of self-defense against colonization. Generally speaking, it went underground and merged with aspects of Christianity. Education was later introduced to strip African Americans of their magical heritage, which was labelled as superstitious and black magic. It was touted as holding no comparison to Christianity, which was claimed to be morally superior. As recently as 2002, the Catholic Church tried to outlaw the Afro-Brazilian religion of Candomblé, a practice of Yoruban origins brought over by the Atlantic slave trade, and it's still seen by evangelical Christians as a devil-worshipping black magic cult, which it absolutely is not. Yet, despite all of this, African traditions and folk magic survived, and actually began to merge with Western esotericism. The New Age movement took a lot of the limelight off of American folk magic businesses, and the arrival of the internet gave white people the anonymity to sell hoodoo and conjure products and magical services as well, making traditional African folk magic seem acceptable, fashionable, and more mainstream, all in inverted commas. These traditions have undergone changes to make them more palatable for a modern white market which some within the black magical community has found challenging to watch, suggesting that hoodoo has interacted with Christianity and Western occultism, yet people fail to acknowledge that Christianity was forced on them, and magic was their only defence in an inhospitable and foreign environment that was never their choice. Now, throughout the European magical scene, we have a decent amount of magical organisations that all have heavy references or connections or rituals around white light. 
we have the Golden Dawn, not within their name, no, but certainly within their manifesto and their practices. We've got the Theosophical Society, the Great White Brotherhood, whereby non-members of which are referred to as Black Brothers. We've got the Silver Star as well, just to name a few. And just on a side note, the White Goddess book comes to mind, which is almost a neo-pagan bible. Now, how did these magical societies understand race and how ideas around it added nuance and layers to our language, and further, how this language subtly formed and solidified our ideas and societies? Well, they knew to distance themselves from witches and the devil by labelling other forms of magic as black and as evil, and their own as white. This labelling gave them accountability. Now Blavatsky, the founder of the Theosophical Society, and Crowley of the Silver Star and the Golden Dawn, had particularly problematic views around this and created hierarchies to legitimise their practices. We also see black and white playing out in popular culture today. Think of American horror story Coven. It's the poor relative black magic versus the glamorous and powerful white magic. In the History Channel's mini-series The Bible, Jesus is a white man and the devil is a black man. The Sabrina reboot, equally problematic, where black characters are demonised and made into bullies to deepen the viewer's connection to a white Sabrina. It's important to note that some non-Western cultures do identify their magic as black or white, and that is not for someone outside of their culture to judge their labelling. But how does a Western person decolonise their practice? Well, step away from the white light. Avoid using this term. It is light, it's daylight, it's golden light. Remember the ancients saw it as golden. Or no light. Incorporate darkness into your practice. Look at my Dark Moon episode and embrace this idea. Question ideas around light and darkness, good and evil, white and black. You could also try amplifying black voices on your social media channels, support black people within the witchcraft and magical community, particularly black authors and black owned magical businesses. Question your own practice. Are you doing things that may be harmful or appropriative to other cultures? Check out my episode on this. And remember, darkness and black doesn't symbolize evil. Just a shout out, I found White Light, Black Magic, Racism in Esoteric Thought by Bradley Williams really useful in creating today's episode. You may not have made the connection between white and black magic to race and inequality, but I think it would be wise to start to question these terms, to unlearn them, and to ultimately break them down. And majors, that's it. That is a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. My intent with this podcast is to provide guidance and inspiration for those on their spiritual path and to talk about interesting parts of history relating to spirituality. I also want to connect you with information that is both useful and reliable. Would you like to support me? With your support, I can dedicate more time to the mage as well. You can financially support me through Patreon, where you'll gain access to more content and connect with the mage as well community. The link for this is in the episode description. If you're not keen on pledging money for whatever reason, but you still want to support, you can follow my Instagram at the mage as well. You could tell your friends and family about the show. You could post about the podcast. 
And most importantly, you could leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This is really important. It really helps because it boosts the algorithm over on Apple Podcasts and it draws in new listeners and helps get the podcast out there. Please help me out. This is an independent podcast. It's just me researching, producing and editing. Anything you can do will help. If you own a business and would like to advertise on the show, please get in touch. The show's email is themajorswell at gmail.com. Special thanks to Coral St. Clair for the podcast artwork. The poem this week is called Ego Tripping, There May Be a Reason Why, by Nikki Giovanni. I was born in the Congo. I walked to the Fertile Crescent and built the Sphinx. I designed a pyramid so tough that a star that only glows every 100 years falls into the centre, giving divine perfect light. I am bad. I sat on the throne, drinking nectar with Allah. I got hot and sent an ice age to Europe to cool my thirst. My oldest daughter is Nefertiti. The tears from my birth pains created the Nile. I am a beautiful woman. I gazed on the forest and burned out the Sahara desert with a packet of goat's meat and a change of clothes. I crossed it in two hours. I am a gazelle so swift, so swift, you can't catch me. For my birthday present when he was three, I gave my son Hannibal an elephant. He gave me Rome for Mother's Day. My strength flows ever on. My son Noah built new ark. And I stood proudly at the helm, as we sailed on a soft summer day. I turned myself into myself, and I was Jesus. Men intone my loving name, all praisers, all praisers. I am the one who would save. I sow diamonds in my backyard. My boughs deliver uranium. The filings from my fingernails are semi-precious jewels. On a trip north, I caught a cold and blew my nose, giving oil to the Arab world. I am so hip, even my errors are correct. I sailed west to reach east, and had to round off the earth as I went. The hair from my head thinned, and gold was laid across three continents. I am so perfect, so divine, so ethereal, so surreal, I cannot be comprehended, except by my permission. I mean... I can fly like a bird in the sky. Peace out, witches, and I'll see you at the crossroads.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.